Um, yeah. Al was pretty much a waste of space in this episode, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. He was, really, to be fair, wouldn't he? Welcome to another episode of The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. I am Sai, and with me as always, as we travel back and forth through Sam Beckett's timeline, is the always awesome Mr. Benny Mac. Benny, how are we doing today, mate? I'm doing very well, Sai. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit under the weather, pal. I've woken that? up a bit grotty today, got a bit of a sore throat, a bit sniffly. So if you hear me sniffing and coughing throughout the episode, I apologise in advance. Is this the uh, hangover? Maybe. <laughs> Is that no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, just feel, woke up feeling a bit grotty, a bit of a sore throat, a bit sniffly. So I've done a little home test. It's not COVID, so that's always the first point. Um, we're going to be looking back at this one day, and it'd be like COVID this and COVID that, man. Hopefully, we'll move we we'll move past it, and we won't be. And we'll be. Remember those, that year we lost. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the year. everyone just stayed in for like ever. <laughs> well, yeah, no excuse to get this podcast on then, is it really? <laughs> Although the, well, but, you know. it, yeah. but yeah, hopefully we look back at this, and hopefully Sam can come back and put right <laughs> this god awful last twenty 2020 twenty into twenty twenty one. It's put a lot of things on hold, hasn't it? So. Uh, it would be nice to move past it, <laughs> and hopefully we will. So, I'm glad yeah. you're not. I'm glad you not got it though. Yeah, well, so am I, mate. So am I. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's good stuff, man. It's, it's 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 good. You know that we're sort of coming. What what looks like coming to the end, I suppose. Um, what I was quite glad of uh, was coming to the end of this episode of Quantum Leap. Ooh, <laughs> look at the segue there. That was the segue. That was very good. I was going to link it into the cholera <laughs> epidemic when he said about the pig in this episode, to be honest, I was going to link it into there, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. That's fine. <laughs> um, I want to make it very, very clear as I have done on previous episodes. I do bloody love Quantum Leap. Okay. But watching it back now in 2021, there are certain episodes that I'm not going to enjoy as much as others and the spenny you said exactly the same thing haven't you yeah like as i said last week the very much you you could put a list of and most tv shows not just quantum leap to be fair like i'm a massive fan of big bang theory and stuff like that so but i could look at the episodes like i said with quantum Leap last week and i would pick out the ones i quite, quite happily skip um and how the test was won which is where we're at now august 5th 1956 we are actually in texas now after this uh, leap didn't the previous leap didn't go where it's supposed to apparently um we're there now um <laughs> but yeah I, this is one i would probably more than likely now uh, and have done in the past uh, move past it basically so yeah i i'd quite happily not watch this episode again i mean don't again don't get me wrong as i said last week it's quantum leap I still enjoy it because it's still Quantum Leap and it's a show I love. It's a show I adore. Yeah. But uh, this this was not a great episode. All I've got to compare it to is other episodes of Quantum Leap. That's kind of how I do yeah. my, my reviewing of it with you, Benny. And when we come to give it a rating and so on at the end of our show, that's kind of what I do. I compare it to other episodes from memory and so on to give it to give it a sort of place in the big scheme of things. Be interesting um, to see what our lowest rated one for us is by the end of this season, and what our highest rated one is by the end of this season. Weirdly, yeah, would be well, quite good got to. A few left, aren't we? This yeah, is, this so... is episode season one, episode five. Five, yeah. How the test was won. So we've only got four more episodes of season one left, mate. I just can't believe we got there <laughs> so quickly. Almost, it feels like it took a while for us to get together to do it, but it's you know we seem to be powering through now as we obviously sit here and talk to you, lovely people, on the podcast. So. We're you know a few episodes away from ending on season one. Depending on how this season goes, I will say is whether we carry on, I guess, with the rest of them. Hopefully, people like it and we can keep going for uh, the whole lot. Really, I'm hope that's what that's, that's my hope to after this first season. So very much a pilot season for Quantum Leap and us, really. I don't care if people are listening or not, mate. I spent money on the DVDs, mate. <laughs> okay, so we are doing it then. <laughs> I, I, I'm committed. I, I paid for the DVDs, so <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, no, it's again not the it's not the best episode. Again, I wouldn't say it's the worst either. But then we are early in this season. Um, off the top of memory, I would say this isn't the worst one. 
But again, as I've already said last week and already on this uh, on the show today, I'm very much this would be one I would quite happily skip. Again, still love the show. Um, I took some positives away from it though, actually, believe it or not. Um, you know, I, I, am I all right to do the tropes first before we move on to the actual story and what's going on, or is there anything yeah, else you sure, want to say yeah, about yeah, it before? Yeah, let's, let's, let's run through. Um, obviously, we've got Sam and Al as normal, our, our mainstays throughout the series, but yeah. the the rest of the cast in pretty much every episode is always interchanging, which it's... I find fascinating about Quantum Leap. So yeah, Benny, is, I love it when you go through where these people have acted before or after. So yeah, let's see what you got for right, us. Okay. I mean, like in terms of most casts, um, we are pretty, I wouldn't say limited, but the areas they go... I mean, in the, in the in the episode, they only go to a bar like once. There's a few extras in the background and stuff, um, and a few different actors and a few like uh, ranch hands because Sam's leapt into uh, the fifties and it's a, a working ranch and everything. But in terms of main characters, there's not a great deal of like sort of characters, if that makes any sense. Because only of really Sam, Tess, Wayne, and uh, Chance really, and Al obviously are the sort of main ones that even do any we we see really, if that makes any sense. I don't know if you can mm. count the pig, but um, <laughs> I mean the the actor that plays uh, Wayne Marshall Artigue, uh, notable a uh, few films in here and series. So again, another actor here we mentioned last week. One of the guys from Quantum Leap was in Roadhouse. Again, he was in Roadhouse. He played Jimmy. So another Roadhouse uh, uh, sort of trope, I guess. <laughs> with, um, with Terry Funk. Was Terry Funk in Roadhouse as well? Yeah, he was in he was in Roadhouse as well. I'm not a Swayze fan, to be honest, so I wouldn't have watched the film. <laughs> I'm not. No, my, my wife's a huge Patrick Swayze fan. Yeah, so you're you're a big but, fan of Dirty Dancing. Don't give me but that. But I'm a massive Terry Funk fan, mate. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Dirty Dancing, mate. I've heard, I've heard. <laughs> I know all the moves. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll put you to that at some point. <laughs> oh, oh no. Uh, so yeah, he was in uh, in Roadhouse. He's also in Babylon Five. He made he's made appearances here, there, and everywhere. Really, this uh, actor Marshall, uh, who plays Wayne in this episode of Quantum Leap, uh, I suppose the most notable for me, and maybe a few others, uh, he was Colonel Davis in the film Armageddon in 1998. So the Bruce Willis. Oh, okay. uh, um, so that was quite cool. I mean, again, I'll quickly mention uh, the fella Lance Legault, who plays Chance. So that plays Tess's. He plays Tess's um, uh, Tess's father. Again, done quite a few films in different series throughout the years. Um, I suppose for a terrible film, he was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. He played one of the Elder Gods, apparently. Never seen it. Didn't move past the first film. I want to see the newest film that's come out. But I suppose the most notable film in terms of uh, classic um, that a lot of people talk about is Stripes with Bill Murray and all that. He was Colonel Glass in that. Um, And something I was surprised about, we not... not, um, Dean Stockwell brother surprised like I was last week, but uh, the one who plays um, Tess then, the daughter of Chance, uh, Kari Lizza, I think that's how you say in the surname. Um, done again, done a lot of things that I am aware of. Um, I didn't know she was in. I don't remember her being in it, so you never put two and two together till you look at their back catalogue of what they've done. Uh, another actor, actress, sorry, that's been in Matlock, but the biggest one for me was. Um, she was a producer for Will and Grace, and she also appeared in the show, I think, as Will's uh, secretary, apparently, at one point. So she's um, she helped produce that from 2000 to 2004. So that's quite a big uh, that was quite a big deal, wasn't uh, it, Will right. and Grace? So yeah, definitely, Will and Grace was huge, wasn't it? It had a, it had its day, didn't it? It was kind of running mm. alongside the towards the end of the Friends era, wasn't it? So it was kind of along that sort of uh, time. Um, so yeah, she's done odds odds and ends. I think she's still um, active to a degree. But uh, yeah, that, I mean, those are the few. Again, there's not a great deal of... There's actors and extras in this, obviously, to fill out the scenes in bars and stuff like that. But in terms of actual dialogue characters, there aren't that many in this episode because it's set on a ranch, isn't it? In sort of like the middle of nowhere, in the south of Texas somewhere. Um, and the only time you really see anybody else when they're trying to rent out their bull, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> you know, uh, their stallion. And uh, yes, that's about it, really, in terms of the tropes. That's the end of the tropes this week. Quite a short one, really, this time. Yeah, but I think you're absolutely spot on with saying about the the amount of people actually in this episode. It's not it's not packed with characters. It's not packed with a lot going on, is it? It's it's effectively quite a simple story um, with very few moving parts, I suppose, as opposed to 
a previous episodes that we've had where you've had two or three well one well, last week's for example you had the underlying issue of the church you had the the mafia mobster sort of element the the nun who had um this this tragedy when she was younger so you had lots of moving parts going on lots yeah. of different stories within that within that leap this episode is almost like the other end of that scale it's very much a case of there is one task to complete. Yeah. If that makes sense. Maybe they had to save money for the episode because obviously sometimes they only get allotted so much money for the episodes they get uh, booked for, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So the pilot would have been... I think that's why the first season's only nine episodes because this first season would have probably been, right, oh, we like Genesis. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll commission eight, nine episodes to see how it does. Obviously, it did well enough to carry on into season two but sometimes it's surprising because most of the time you a network will book like okay you can have a pilot and we'll give you six episodes so based on that pilot and those next five episodes is whether they want to order any more from this show so for a season to be only nine and then um be picked up for me at least at least nowadays is quite i would say that's quite rare but then having said that it's quite nice to have a shorter season isn't it sometimes because the story can be told better and a bit more in depth you can zoom in on the characters a bit more whereas if you are watching a series that's 24 episodes sometimes that you can tell the filler episodes if that makes sense yeah no no so, I, I get completely get what you mean so why, why it was with, i don't know but <laughs> with uh, with other se- with other tv shows sort of 24 26 episodes or whatever it may be i know what you mean because they're normally telling one or two stories throughout the duration of the of that. You look at something like, for example, um, the, the likes of Sopranos and Breaking Bad and so on. Twenty four episodes a season. Yeah. And there are there are episodes where, like you said, Benny, they're filler episodes because they're just moving the story along before they get to the big moments in that in that story. Yeah. With Quantum Leap, I don't think you necessarily get that to that level because each episode is a different leap and everything has changed where sam is is different the the people around him are all completely different the story is different every single time and i think that's kind of the 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 sort of um something about the show that really appeals to me yeah so yeah like standalone stories i think because obviously we're on episode five now and the few episodes we have watched so far obviously we're going to talk about this one in a second but like it seems like they tried to link in a few sort of like the Watergate scandal. He went from 72 to 74, didn't he? In -hmm. the last. So maybe they were trying to link it in at first to try and keep it somewhat. Oh, that was because that's kind of give you like a little nugget of last week's episode, I guess, um, to sort of keep you interested maybe. But then they do. Then all of a sudden we go from 74 to 56 and literally a leap pun intended. Um, So, Yeah, maybe they sort of shied away from that and actually going towards the let's just do, uh, you know, a, a a day in somebody's life or a week in somebody's life and walk a mile in their shoes more and have more interesting characters just by leaping in and sort of Sam has him to slot into these families, friends, and you know, her frenemies and enemies <laughs> in some cases. So maybe that maybe they decided not to do link it in as much because it's only as we've watched it back in the last few weeks that. I've noticed. I've no, like I said in those last two episodes, especially going from the Watergate sort of instigation to having a little comment on the news on the radio or the TV or whatever it was. To sort of, they didn't have to do that, so maybe they were trying to link it together first to a degree. Um, yeah, okay, maybe. I, I don't. I don't know, but like, obviously, he leapt out in from seventy two, seventy four. So, like I said, the Watergate stuff would have still been going on, and they would be going to court over it at this point, wouldn't they? So, in seventy four, but yeah. But I didn't even pick up on that last when you mentioned it last week on the episode that he Al says he's supposed to be in Texas and then he he took a detour to in the last episode. I didn't even pick up on that, so it was a nice little uh, little spot there you got. Yeah, I mean this is the thing it's, it's little touches like that that again it sort of tie one episode to the next, but they're not I suppose they're not essential to the continuation of the story. So if you miss them or if you don't watch a particular episode and you don't see that, it doesn't I suppose impact enjoying the following episode, I guess. Yeah, I suppose the only real follow on is Sam's memory as it come back. Does he remember this? Does he remember that? Mm. He's forgotten that again. Uh does he remember who Al is? So I suppose we always kind of learn about both characters 
I will, I will say, not so much so far. We've learned little bits of Al and the way he is, especially in this one. Um, and we've learned a little bit more of Sam, but it, it's very, it's very spoon fed, isn't it? Like teaspoon fed, almost. At least in this yeah. season so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said very, very early on when we did our very first episode together, Benny, and it was like our introduction and so on. I had concerns about watching season one, um, season one back because obviously the nature of the beast, it being season one, means it's the oldest out of all of them, yeah. time-wise. So it's going to look potentially more dated than the others. And I also find that, especially with Quantum Leap now, that we're sort of watching these episodes back and seeing it firsthand again, that, that, that there's a few teething problems. There's a few almost um, issues of trying to find their feet and exactly know where they're going. And I think that the the next few episodes with, I mean, especially when you get to the likes of Kamikaze Kid and so on, at the end of season one, you're seeing very much what Quantum Leap is going to become. But these earlier episodes, the likes of Starcrossed and this one here, How the Test Was Won, it's almost like it's not quite, it's not quite ticking all the boxes for Quantum Leap just yet. And when we get into season two, I think it sort of really sort of it hits its stride. Yeah, if that I, makes sense. No, no, perfect sense. Because I think it's the. It, I mean, we, again, we love the show, so we can't. You know, we're not dissing it too much, but we're just saying how we see it, watching it back. But um, a lot of shows go through, like, or, like you said, teething problems or teething, however you want to, you know, growing pains, or if you're another way of saying it, to find its uh, its feet in how what what it's going to be, and I mean, especially with Starcrossed, like. The fact that this young girl decides to trust this lecherous teacher, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. C- considering his reputation, yes, it's not Sam. I get that, but like for this girl, young girl, to who knows this teacher is basically, basically um, using his uh, authority or his teacher status to sort of dictate, you know, come back to my house type <laughs> crude thing, and for her yeah. to trust him fairly. And again, Terry Hatcher did a great job in the show, and even Scott Bakula, to be fair. But to put that into real life, like perspective, this old lecherous old man starts following you around. You're probably more likely to call campus security than you are to go on a road trip to Washington with him. To be totally honest, I, the more I think oh, about it, I don't know, mate. It was the seventies, you know. Well, okay, well, <laughs> you would know about that. I wouldn't, to be fair. So I wasn't oh, around. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't born till eighty-one. You cheeky shite. Oh, fair enough. Uh. <laughs> That's basically the uh, So then, so then, <laughs> so then, Sam leaps into Dr. Daniel Young, or Doc, as they refer to him throughout the episode, um, in, oh, where were we? Texas, August the 5th, 1956. Um, and right at the very beginning of the episode, we see Tess uh, speaking with her father about, basically her dad saying that when he dies, he needs... He, he wants her to, to have a husband. He wants her to have a man on the scene. And right away, she decides, I'm going to pick someone. And if they can beat me in a contest, then I will marry them. So straight off the bat, I'm thinking, this is a bit weird. Um, yeah. She points at all the, I suppose, help from around the farm, around the estate that they have. Um, and we see a fantastic collection of mustaches. Really interesting <laughs> facial hair going on. Um, 56 uh, moustaches, uh, classics, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> she ultimately decides upon Doc, the, uh, the I suppose he's the, he's the local vet, I guess. Yeah. Who I, is, at I, the time, l- looking at their pigs, who have got a bit of the sniffles, apparently. Well, it turns out the little pig, the one he's picked up, because he does fall up, which is quite funny when she's like, I picked Doc to take me on in this challenge of can he be my husband type thing he's fallen over on his face and covered in mud and in with the pigs basically so that's quite funny in itself i mean there were some good moments in this obviously um but just on the way sam obviously at this point we don't know what doc looks like and this is one of the few occasions where i'll say it now actually but we don't actually see the mirror image do we until right at the end so we don't know what Sam looks like. So we only see Sam, uh, as we all, always do. But we don't know what this character looks like, which is a nice little... I've forgotten about until I watched it earlier. So, um, But yeah, she... The, the, oh, I can't remember her name. I've literally Tess. The whole episode is based on her. But she's been... But you get like a little 
insight to what's happened to the family. The mother has passed away at some point. They don't say why. The father's like, I shouldn't have raised you as a cowboy. I should have raised you as a woman or whatever. So she's learned how to run this ranch like a man, apparently. Um, and now the father, because he's getting, I wouldn't say he's old, is he? I wouldn't say he's at death's door or anything, but he's no, no, think, definitely not. He's best. He's thinking about the future, isn't he? And wanting uh, Riata, is it the name of the ranch? Uh, wants yeah. to be left in the family, but he wants a man to run it, even though he's trained his daughter, fifty six, I guess. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So as I said, he ends up, or she says, I pick the doctor if he can best me in a week's competition and keep up with me with doing farmhand stuff. Then I'll marry him, basically, which is a weird, you know, it's almost like a betrothal type thing, isn't it? From the freaking medieval times or something. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I mean, the term that I've actually got written down here in front of me on my notes um, is he needs to be able to, and I quote, out cowboy me. Out cowboy, yeah. Cowboy girl, <laughs> I want to call yeah. the episode. <laughs> so, um, uh, but, uh, um, sorry, Chance, wasn't it? The guy's name, Chance, the father's yeah. name. Yeah. yeah, he basically says, how about it then, Doc? To which Sam responds, <laughs> I'll take the pig, you keep the daughter. Yeah, which, which I is brilliant. Was quite... <laughs> which is quite funny, to be honest. Obviously, at this point, Sam's... Well, one thing I will take away from this scene, actually, is... Okay, Sam does the right thing. He does, I'm not going to marry a girl just to, in a competition. That seems weird. You know, they're in a... You know, it's a... It's in the time where you marry for love and all that kind of stuff, but uh, like we are now. But um, what I took away from this scene was that he says, obviously, in a funny, I'll keep the pig, you keep the daughter, or whatever. He jumps in a truck. One, how does he know it's his truck? And two, how does he know where he's going? Because he's literally leapt into a pig pen, been confronted with this uh, proposition, indecent proposal, I guess, you might want to say, um, and basically uh, drives off. But he does. I'm like, how does he figure out where he is? Unless he... The character because he doesn't really explain it unless the character's got a wallet on him maybe <laughs> to figure out but he doesn't even know where he is like in the in the I think he's figured out he's in Texas but let's face it Texas is a, is a big place you know so <laughs> I did take away from that that might be my cat no, moment mate I've given it away already a really but... good point actually. I mean I suppose the finding where he lives or which way he's going you could potentially explain away because there's only really sort of like one or two roads to drive out of this big place isn't there. So I suppose yeah, he just follows yeah, the track. And then ultimately he gets to, he just happens to pass a letterbox with Doc's name on it. So he's like, okay, well, this is my house then. So that's very, very handy. But I'd be really picky it, now, but how did he know? Because they only called him Doc. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, this is the thing. You're right. And, and, and the, the whole jumping in the jumping in the truck to drive away. I didn't even think of that, but you're spot on the money. How did yeah. you know that's his? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know, I, I last week I was defending the, uh, you know, the uh, right hand of God in the whole nun story, but I, it's kind of hard to explain how he knows. I mean, he's got, he's got this, what, uh, what they called the, uh, the, to listen to the heartbeat, I can't, the stethoscope. Yeah. And then he's got a, th- a thermometer, which I think comes out of the pig's butt, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> which did make me chuckle a little bit. But yeah, I will admit, uh, maybe it's because we are talking about it in this sort of forum. So that's why I even, because I think watching it before, I kind of went, yeah, okay, he just drove away. Because I'm looking at it from, to come on here and talk to you about it. I was like, how does he know where he's going? You know, it's, mm. we're talking 56. They don't have GPS. He doesn't have his smartphone with him. <laughs> he's got none of that going on. Uh, pure lucky, I guess. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's yeah. like a hound, like a hound dog, good at uh, finding his way. Maybe like a homing pigeon. Homing pigeon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, eventually, we find that. Um, but well, once Al turns up, we, a very distracted Al this week. Yet again, last week he was very tired. This week he's going through some turmoil in his love life back in his own time, where Tina, his partner, is apparently. Um, he suspects her of cheating on him, so he's he's very distracted for like, this whole episode. He even accuses um, Sam of it, doesn't yeah. he? He says, "Have you seen?" Because he says that Tina's got a tattoo in a very intimate place. Um, have you seen Tina's tattoo, Sam? And because Sam kind of just looks at him like shit, like what the hell are you talking about? I'm in fifty six. How can I possibly have seen it? Walks through the door, and he, he, he I will not let it go. Walks through the wall and says, "You didn't answer my question, Sam." <laughs> you know, it's like basically accusing the guy <laughs> yeah. of cheating with his missus, even though he's in fifty six. Yeah, I, I know you're like, you know, jumping through time and can barely remember your own name, but have you slept with my missus? <laughs> yeah, and even even accuses Sam of hiding behind his Swiss cheese brain, which I was yeah. like, where's this come from all of a sudden? You know, this is the guy that talks about 
women and talks openly talks about that he spent the night with somebody in a previous episode, even though we know he's with Tina. So, <laughs> pot kettle black, I suppose. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> Al eventually does explain that, that uh, based, the theory is that Doc has to marry Tess, or the person who has been writing love letters to Tess should be marrying her, and that's what he's here to do, to make sure yeah. that happens. Um, Doc has a diary that Al, is, uh, sorry, that Sam is reading with lots of notes about how he he has seen Tess and he thinks that she's wonderful and and on this particular day he jumped about kissing her on this particular day he saw her here and so on yeah. so it's obvious at first glance at least that doc is absolutely infatuated almost to the level of obsession with with this lady Tess and Al and Sam set about trying to get Sam to win this crazy competition idea to make it possible for Doc to marry Tess. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he's gone from keep the door, I keep the pig, to actually, yeah, now I've got to come back to your ranch and try and compete compete to win your daughter's affection, a.k.a. Because she's, she's a very strong woman, I'll give her that, um, but she will literally, to the point of Tess won't, won't take help from anybody, even though because she doesn't want to be outdone by a man, because you know, and that's fair enough, but almost to the point of stubbornness where she's struggling to do something but will not let anybody help her, especially male. Mm. Um, I love the little comment a bit later on where he, uh, Sam says to her, um, doing, when they're doing the posts, and Sam says to her, women's lib's going to love you. And she's like, what's that? Because <laughs> you know, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. But it, just that little comment, was uh, that was quite funny. I mean, again, as we're talking about it now, I, I know it's one of my episodes I would pass up, but... I en- I enjoyed it. I'll give it that. But yeah. Um yeah, she's a very strong character um to the point of stubbornness though, isn't it? It's there's an, a time to ask for help and there's a time to take help, but she doesn't want help at any with anything. <laughs> Everything's a competition to her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's um it's it's almost to the point where and again, this is my own personal opinions now, but it's almost to the point where I find <clears throat> her kind of unlikable. Yeah, she... I find her very difficult to. I mean, she's supposed to be the, the this this object of everyone's desires, and she's supposed to be this wonderful um, individual who everybody wants to marry, given the opportunity. But I just find that difficult to get on board with because she's just quite unlikable. Yeah, at least in the opening, what fifteen twenty minutes, I would say she's mm-hmm. very very kind of eight. Hey, I suppose the the thing is, if you can handle me at my worst, <laughs> you know, the whole, wow. you know, I get that. But like, yeah, she's not, like I said, I've taken away from it. Like she's strong woman. Fine. Nothing wrong with that. I believe women can do anything men can do and actually better half the time. To be honest, women are better than men most of the time. I will say, I'm not going to lie on that one. Um, but to the point, as I've already said, to the point of stubbornness where she could be, I think she's the type, at least in this opening 20 minutes or so, if she was hanging off the edge of a cliff and the only way she could be saved was by somebody pulling her up. And it, But if it was a male at the top of that cliff, she'd say, no, I can do it myself. To the yeah, point she'd of rather stop. take the tumble. Exactly, yeah. So, Yeah. Um, eventually we get on to the, uh, again, crazy concept of this this competition to win her heart. I mean, I, I, I don't know how things worked in Texas in the 50s, but to me... Or, you know, oh, you can ride a horse better than me means that I love you. It's just the whole thing is just <laughs> nonsense. But we have um, they, they're they playing cards at one stage in the bar, aren't they? And they have uh, this scene that you just described there, Benny, where they're digging holes. Um, and there's obviously a, they've got a lasso, a bull at one stage. And that's the, um, the lassoing of the bull is the first occasion where we kind of see the other object um of not not sorry not object of Tess's desires but the the other individual who is very keen on Tess um Wayne was the character's name I think yes it? yeah he very very at least at this point very much wanting Tess to uh win and not marry mm. this person so either he's very loyal to her as a friend or there's something else going on there isn't there yeah yeah and he kind of gives Sam some bad advice when it comes to uh lassoing the bull and so on um, and then when they get to playing cards in the bar, 
when they're talking about, um, I suppose, pimping out their bull, for want of a better term. Um, <laughs> it's weird how the two stories they're talking about pimping out the bull, as you said, is almost the same as trying to marry off Tess to somebody, really, isn't it? <laughs> to yeah. a degree. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think bulls play cards, but I, 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 I can see what you're coming from. <laughs> hey, you've <laughs> clearly not seen some of these animated films and Pixar films, mate. <laughs> I'm sure they could. I imagine, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, we find out that via Al, who's sort of lingering around the table, that uh, he's moping he thinks... at this. He's moping. Sorry, he's moping at this at this point, isn't he? Because Tina's left him. So we see Al again, who is very much kind of. Uh, a placeholder in this episode, really. Yeah, he's moping around, and oh, me. Uh, the the comment of me and Tina. <laughs> this is a bit think sexist. I'm not going to lie straight away, but the comment of me and Tina, me and Tina met in Vegas. Oh yeah. Uh, she had. Um, I had a flush, and she had a pair. She had that a popped pair. me. I laughed. Yeah, I laughed as well. To be fair, but he's moping around basically because Tina's uh, gone away for the weekend with, I believe, one of the lab techs from the quantum leap program as well so yeah gushy yes that's it's, it. it's gushy he's one of the, he's one of the um i suppose higher ups in the experiment isn't he? and there's a running joke for right, all of the all five seasons that gushy's got terrible breath you actually see gushy in the opening episode he's uh he's the guy that's screaming sam's leaping to al over the yes. intercom so you do see gushy um i'm sure we'll see him again at some point as well yeah and the running joke of his bad breath always makes me laugh yeah, yeah. um <laughs> short guy with bad breath <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Al explains that Wayne is cheating at cards, but it turns out that the hand of cards that he is sort, sort of stashing or or stealing um, from a previous hand, he's passing across to Tess on the sly without her being aware so that she will win the card game. Um, yeah. He must be some bloody amazing card player to be able to steal cards himself from a previous hand and then somehow get them into the hands of another player on that table yeah that is some level of skill i think he sat like three away from her as well in order to deal that you'd have to put each card every third or fourth yeah fifth however many people were at the table so the people that can do that fair play to you i I don't know how you do it but well done (laughs) but basically i'd end up either really really rich or dead because I'd, I'd I'd do it to the wrong people, you know. So. <laughs> well, the, well, yeah. There's all it never. Did. I would maybe not go to a truck stop and play poker with all the truckers. Maybe you might not come back. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, Al, Al's the one, actually, isn't he? That realizes that he obviously Al can see. He can, Al could walk around the table if he wanted to to see the hands and stuff, because uh, nobody can see him, obviously. Um, but yeah, Al's the one who says he's been dealing the cards. Uh, he says that Wayne's cheating and. Uh, Sam basically accuses Wayne of this and says, mm-hmm. oh, you've got this card. I think it's aces and eights, I think. Yeah, pair of aces, pair of eights. The, the, the dead man's hand. The dead man's hand, yeah. Um, and then obviously Wayne obviously takes exception to this, uh, wants to stomp him. And Chancellor says, well, you can only stomp him if he's if you're not, you know, as long as you haven't been cheating. Turns the cards over and then turns out that um, Wayne hasn't got the cards, and then how we find out that Tess has got them, Al's kind of stood behind Sam, and they're sort of talking backwards and forwards, and Al's mimicking like he's shuffling the uh, like uh, dealing the cards, and then he goes, look at Tess's hand, and he's like, no, Al, you're wrong, and he, they turn the cards over, and now there's the aces and eights, so he was dealing them yeah. to Tess so she could beat Doc in this. It's not just them playing, there's about six of them playing, I think, but to make sure that Doc goes out first, rather than so she wins, doesn't she? But I would assume if Doc went out. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So again, we're seeing Wayne little subtleties throughout the episode of well, not even that subtle, I suppose, but of Wayne trying point, to sabotage yeah. Doc and his quest to um, to win Tess's hand. Um, we then get to quite an odd scene, I think, where they're they're digging the holes, and again, the way you explained it, Benny, with Tess wouldn't take help yeah. from a man if she was hanging off a cliff. It's absolutely spot on the money here. It really applies because they're digging these holes and she's obviously coming down with some form of heat stroke or dehydration or something like this. Because they're laying posts, she's... aren't they, for fencing, I assume. Yes. Um, so they're yeah. digging out those. So it's quite hard. They're going uphill as well. So hot day, hard work. So, yeah, 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 exactly. And, and she's, you know, she, she basically ends up passing out because of all this. But before this, she's adamant she's not going to have a drink of water just because it was offered to her by Sam. And again, it just, oh, just 
give your head a wobble. Have a word with yourself. It's just not necessary, you know? It's, and again, she comes across quite unlikable in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I get the whole independent, I'm strong, I can do... And, and fair play to any... You know, I get that 100%. But even, you know, we're going a bit philosophical here, but like, even with like men nowadays, like you're not supposed to do this or do that, like to ask for help because it's weak or whatever. No, if you need help, ask for it. And that, you know, warrants male or female. So... She is that stubborn that she she's clearly overheated. She's sweating. They're working hard, both of them. Um, and she's literally, well, as I'm sure Sai was going to get to, she gets she will refuses to take any water from uh, the dock, a.k.a. Sam, um, to the point of, like, passing out. Yeah, exactly. So Sam there, a shirtless Sam with his cowboy hat on, um, the, the the every young girl's dream carries her down to the to the truck drives her back to his apartment uh, sorry his 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 house where he puts her on the sofa and then things take a little bit of a weird turn for me i appreciate he's trying to cool her down but he's not <laughs> stripping her off well she's that hot and i i, I... Well, maybe. Well, well, I suppose if anybody else walked in, I suppose it would be because what the hell are you doing? But she's overheating, yeah. so he's trying to cool her down. Remember, this is the fifties, nearly well, fifty-six. So there's no aircon. Um, the young lad that uh, lives um, with the doc, or is it his son? We never really find out. I don't think, or maybe it is his son. But uh, I think he helps out with the animals, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. So I'm not really sure if it's his son or not, but um, helps with the animals, as you said. Um, asked him to get some water salt water and all this other stuff and then a fan um so literally like a tiny fan <laughs> and it obviously as you all well know when it's hot a fan does help a little bit but essentially it just blows hot air so i understand i mean again we've already learned that sam is a medical doctor from a previous episode so I, i'm just it is a bit weird i give you that but I, i'm kind of at this point i'm trusting sam to know what he's doing i mean he's not yeah. like doing anything untoward obviously but it is oh, a course, bit of a yeah. turn yeah and then especially the young lad <laughs> stands up after he's put the fan he's like uh he's very awkwardly stood there looking over this half naked woman and sam kind of looks up and goes what it almost doesn't say anything but like what are you looking at and he goes i could get the animals in <laughs> it's a very <laughs> awkward moment so it, it, i understand what you mean eventually she she comes test comes to um and realizes <laughs> that she has been uh stripped and literally says you man and then punches <laughs> doc in the bush i was... love that bit i actually it not like you get or anything you man and punches him right yeah. in a, right in a kisser i think it's the first time is it the first time Sam got punched? Up? I suppose not in the boxing. If from a woman, then he got punched by a woman. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, from there, we, we end up with. Eventually, she calms down because Sam explains, "Look, you were you were poorly, you passed out, and so on." Um, things all settle down. There's a storm outside, so no one can leave. Um, and and Tess and Sam end up having a bit of a dance and then a bit of a kiss. Uh, but the contest is a tie. Uh, test declares so sam asks for a tiebreaker and to, to to win tess's hand doc stroke sam has to ride the horse known as Widowmaker. i just want to point out just before we move on to that in that scene when the lightning is happening and all that kind of stuff when one of the lightning strikes happens you know like the thunder above the lightning mm-hmm. flash and then the thunder if you look carefully, Tess kind of creeps forward towards Doc as if she's scared, and it's really the first time you see any vulnerability from this woman because she puts on such okay. a such a shield and such a you know a, like hard exterior that when the lightning strike happens outside, Sam's you know sort of calming down the pig, like you know calm down, don't worry. And if you look carefully back at it, Tess creeps towards Sam as if, and you can tell that she's she's not fond of lightning to say the least. Um, so it's the first time you see it actually like a bit of uh, vulnerability other than passing out because <laughs> she would have just led there, I think. <laughs> I <was Yeah>. <laughs> but it's, apart from passing out, you see an actual little bit of like fear from her because she's or not. She's not fond of lightning and thunder and lightning. Sorry. I don't know if you picked up on that um, as you were watching it. She does creep forward to Sam like as that happens like oh I didn't know but that's no. that's a really interesting point yeah that, that it, obviously this whole this whole um this whole scene or, or pair, couple of scenes or, or or segment of the show where 
she passes out and then there's the thunderstorm and they have a dance it is showing that she is sort of softening to the idea of doc or sam so i suppose it is little touches like that that are quite clever as well i, I missed it but no that's that's a really good point um but even with yes yeah, so, even with the dance sorry is like she's she sort of likes it she is she's enjoying it yeah he goes for the kiss and she kind of goes no you've lost this is not you're not going to best me out in here like like the dance was part of the competition which you know to sam it wasn't but according to her literally she i don't know whether she does it because she wants his strong exterior to look like a like saving face type thing but she pushes sam away as if like every time she almost like becomes vulnerable she's like nope i'm i'm strong so this like yeah. nice feeling she had in her stomach maybe over sam or sorry the doc um she went no nope, i can't do that nope get away from me you've lost it's a draw so you haven't beaten me so and then obviously he gets a tiebreaker, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. And that is to ride Widowmaker, the ho- which is Tess's horse. Um, she's the only one in Texas that can ride him, apparently. Um, he's a big boisterous lad, this horse. and He's thrown everybody off and so on. Um, first thing in the morning on the Sunday, <laughs> Tess and Chance are ready to go to church. And they see Doc sort of taking Widowmaker into the into the field to attempt to ride him. So they go down to to have a look at what's going on. They're all declaring, you know, he's going to kill himself. Yeah. And they, they sort of give a whistle and say, hey, you know, he's, he's having another go at trying to ride this horse. And the <laughs> moustache masses come out of all the nooks and crannies to come and watch this happen, Benny, don't they? They just appear out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to preface this at the beginning of the episode uh, when he first takes on the challenge. This is one of the things that Sam did. He... Wayne actually now looking back at it, Wayne gave him the horse and he's like, mm-hmm. What are you doing, Doc? Nobody yeah. rides Widowmaker. So Wayne set him up there as well. If you look at it back from the from the how things pan out, like so he, he does try to ride Widowmaker once before and he goes flying. Um yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Um Al trying to calm the horse down with Om, which is hilarious, by the way. Um t- Om <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they realise that Al can be seen by animals, don't they, in this yeah, episode? Yeah. I mean, it's the first time that it's been been touched upon. So Al's trying to, I suppose, calm the uh, Widowmaker horse down to make Sam able to ride him in that, for a long enough period. Um, but Al gets a phone call that Tina wants to speak to him and just runs off. <laughs> yeah, leaves, leaves Sam, uh, well hanging on the on this horse actually to be honest yeah and that's a really you know my my mum had a horse when i was very very little i fell off it and, and, and broke my arm and my collarbone it's very Ow. it's a very dangerous scenario to be in and that's al's like nope sorry skirt comes first and off he runs you well know? <laughs> he, i mean earlier in the episode he's like i wouldn't go back to see her if she begged me and then literally a phone call is all it takes and he leaves the imaging chamber and like you said sam is left uh <laughs> sort of the, well, the horse is not being calmed down anymore by Al, and all of a sudden starts bucking basically. And Ham, Sam's got to hold on for dear life, basically. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, you know, he does manage to calm the horse, and and you know, effectively on just his second attempt, manages to ride the horse. So this whole thing about Widowmaker being well, the name it has, and the fact that no one else in Texas can ride her, him. Sorry, um, Sam's done it on his second attempt. Either Sam's brilliant, or the horse isn't quite as boisterous as people may may have thought. Maybe I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe they only try once and then they go, "Well, you doing that again?" <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, somebody. Show, so maybe yeah, Sam's the first person to ride the horse twice, apart from Tess. Maybe so. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Boisterous to begin with, but you, uh, if you can hold on, the horse kind of respects you, I guess, for trying again. Maybe I don't know, but uh, he could be the only guy to ever try again. That's actually a good shout. I didn't think of that. Um, <laughs> Sam then gets in his truck and he's, he's ready to leave. Uh, Chance says, welcome to the family, son. And Sam responds with a fantastic line. Thanks, but no thanks. I just wanted to see if I could ride him. Not her. <laughs> yeah. At Tess. And I'm like, oh, man, that is that's harsh. <laughs> Some reverse psychology going on there, I think. Yeah. Which works because Tess follows him back to his place. They have a little um, chat, a little discussion uh, about the scenario in general. Um, she doesn't want to give up control of the farm. Doc says, can we not run it together? And he gives Tess the, the aforementioned diary where Doc has been making notes about every time he sees her and, and just sort of you know, keeping a, a journal, I guess, of 
moments with Tess f- throughout the years. Um, this is obviously supposed to be a very sweet moment, a very heartfelt moment, and, and Tess is really starting to realise how how Doc feels about her. But to me, it comes across a little bit stalkerish. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. Actually, to be honest, I yeah, I, I suppose there's two ways with, with these types of things, isn't there? That you either find it absolutely oh my god, I can't believe it, like, you know, like, really romantic, or, like, it can go the complete opposite in, like, what the heck? <laughs> so, yeah, and he's got I guess a folder so. as well, hasn't he, with lots of press clippings and pictures and so on, anything associated with her that he's cutting out of the local paper or, or any pictures he can get of her and stuff. It's like, that's not normal <laughs> behaviour, is it? Is that, is that normal? I, d- I don't know, I don't know. Like I said, you could uh, it could be construed as very romantic and writing his thoughts down, but he didn't was too shy to say it to this woman. Um, but or like you said, it could go the other way, and it could be it could be the other side of the coin, really, and be stalkerish. So, yeah. um, she took it as flattering, which I think was the way it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we'll, we'll go with that ourselves. Um, <laughs> They have a dance again, and it basically ends up with that they're looking like that's that. It's done and dusted. They're going to get married. But then Wayne bangs on the door, and you're initially thinking, oh, piss off, Wayne. Bloody hell. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just just give it a rest, mate. Have a day off. Just do one. Yeah, exactly. But then it turns out, you know, Wayne's there, and he declares his love for Tess uh, and says that he's got all these letters he's been writing her. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa. That's a bit of a swerve. So it's not Doc who's been writing the letters. It's actually been Wayne the entire time. It's actually Wayne. Yeah. In the beginning of the episode, Al said that Ziggy thinks that Tess is supposed to marry someone who's been writing these letters. Yeah, like a 97% chance or something that whoever's been writing love letters to Tess is the one that's supposed to marry her, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's very Um, clever, actually, to think about it. They all, like, the the way the episode goes, it's construed as... Like, okay, it's stock then, because he writes a journal. That Those could be letters in there as well, you know? So mm. it's very clever, kind of, it leads you down one path. And then you think about Wayne, like, why has he been such a dick <laughs> to yeah, the dog, yeah, exactly. you know? And then it all makes uh, sense in that moment when I wrote you these letters. Uh, I mean, even Sam, you can see Sam in the background going, oh, uh, right, okay. Uh, you know? okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like the pennies dropped, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a clever little little swerve, I guess. Um, Wayne and Tess then have Tess for some reason then says, "Well, Doc, do you mind if I dance with Wayne just to see how that is?" And I'm thinking, okay, that's a bit odd as well, but you know, crack on. Um, and they have a bit <laughs> of a dance with no music. Again, it looks a bit awkward and odd. Um, and the next time we see Sam, he's getting all suited and booted, ready for a wedding, but it's not his own, is it? No, it's well, at least it's put as if it's the i don't know how many weeks this has been or a week or a day i'm guessing it's been about a week he's still there um and as you said suited and booted as much as the texans wear you know their spurs and everything in the, mm-hmm. the you know their i don't know what else the, the tassels or whatever it was <laughs> i don't know um but yeah he's very much uh he looks a bit despondent actually sam doesn't he i think he does start to not just doc, not doc obviously i think sam at one point is actually starting to fall for Tess. Um not not as Doc actually as himself. Yeah. Um I think I there understand. is a there is a little uh, sort of inkling towards that Sam is because he mentions about a crush he had on a teacher and didn't get over it till the next year when he met his new teacher <laughs> as a kid. Um yeah. so it was just a bit <laughs> random but uh you know I kind of got it. So Sam weirdly sort of starts to care about Tess, I guess. I think it's more around when the dance happens initially. I think he, him, you know, himself starts to feel a bit like, I didn't know I liked her, really, until sort of that moment type thing. Well, she's difficult to like, mate. Well, no, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As they are, uh, sorry, Sam and Al are walking out of the the place where Doc lives onto the, the sort of um I don't know what you'd call it, the sort of porch area, I guess. Yeah. Then uh the young lad who lives there is well or helps with the animals is there playing his guitar as as he has been throughout the episode, singing a few songs. Um Al explains that Ziggy expects Sam to leap as soon as Tess says I do to Wayne because obviously then the marriage he's he's completed his task I guess or the task they assume is the correct one is he is therefore to do yeah 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 um 
Sam's he's looking, looking for the, for the pig, pig isn't yeah, he? He's yeah. Looking, yeah, he's looking for the pig that he's nicknamed Piggy, which is incredibly creative. And uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's calling Piggy, Piggy, Piggy. The young lad sat on the, uh, is it a rocking chair he's in, or like a, a, an outside sort of deck chair, some sort of I think, uh, Yeah, I think so, yeah. Or a bench or something on the deck, and he's sat yeah, there with right. a, there's a dog there looking at him, like he's waiting, waiting to be fed, but he's singing. And Sam goes like Piggy. Then he goes Suey for some reason. I've yeah. never heard anybody do that to it. Well, then I don't live on a farm, but maybe they do do that. <laughs> and then he starts saying Piggy Suey, like Piggy, Piggy Suey. Like, and then the kid starts, uh, because you don't hear the kid's name throughout the entire episode. Because um, yeah. he says son and kid, and he, do, he he can never hear the kid's actual name for whatever reason uh, through the episode. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he starts singing Piggy, Piggy Suey uh, and starts like bashing a song together, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, talented little fella. Um, knocks out <laughs> a tune, and Sam and Al sort of look at each other again with another moment of realization, I suppose, similar to when Wayne unveiled he was the, the letter writer. And Sam sort of looks back and, and says, Hey, buddy, why don't you, uh, why don't you try Peggy Sue? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the youngster starts playing, All right, Peggy Sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, the, the board drops, and doesn't it? This is. <laughs> well, at least it's he looks like him. It's meant to be Buddy Holly. <laughs> exactly. And Sam's given him the lyrics to Peggy Sue, of all things. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then the, the, the blue light flashes and Sam is on his way to sort of complete this episode and complete this leap, I guess. Um, Benny, before we get to our, our ratings out of five for this one. Yeah. Um, we normally have a good and a bad moment, or <clears> a couple <throat> of good and bad moments from the show. Um, have you got a, a bad moment? Have you got a caca moment for this week? I wouldn't say it's like the worst, but the caca moment for me is literally when he leaps in, like I said earlier, at the big top of the episode is he jumps into a random truck and drives off like he knows where he's going. It's like, <laughs> we don't even know where you are, you know? So mm. how do you know? And Al's not there with him at that particular point. Um, that, again, I've only picked up on it more, I think, because we, the way we're talking about it, really. Um, but I don't think I ever really noticed it before or even took much. Okay, he's just leaving now. But yeah, so how do you know? Like you said, it could be, it's a, quite a rural area, isn't it? Let's face it. So there's only like one road in and out. So maybe he stopped off at a few houses before he got to the one he got to. Maybe I don't know because we don't see that. We just see him arrive at his, um, at his uh, well, the dock's place of res- residence. So I would say that's probably my only real caca moment, to be totally honest. Went a little caca. Okay. Um, I've, I've got, uh, I suppose mine aren't necessarily exact moments. They're just kind of uh, a gist for the episode. Um, my, my caca moment, I suppose, well, my first one is the whole competition concept that they're discussing that yeah. as i mentioned earlier the whole thing of oh if you can ride a horse better than me if you can play cards better than me if you can drink better than me then i'll marry you that's <laughs> a bit I, I i was a bit like mm, okay fair enough so the competition um, so the competition overall then for you is uh no nah, it's just a bit of an odd scenario isn't it it's just a bit of an odd caca. thing going on yeah um okay and secondly um just Tess in general. She was. She came obviously towards the end. It was a little bit different, but for a big portion of the, a big portion of the episode, she was just quite unlikable. And I'm thinking for somebody who, I know she's supposed to be this this strong woman, and and it's supposed to convey this, this thing of she doesn't need, um, she doesn't need to be married, uh, and she's pushing everyone away because of that, and so on. Yeah. But but they go so far as to make her just just kind of. She comes across real hard work and, and as an unlikable character. And I'm just kind of, I just couldn't get on board with, with Tess in general, to be honest. Went a little caca. Uh, the only defence I'll give for Tess, really, I mean, if we were to dive into the character of Tess, the stuff that we do know about her, her mother died at some point when she was younger. Her dad's had to raise her uh, in a time where very much like men and women are very uh, treated very differently to be fair um and she's come along she, i mean she was almost ahead of her time if you think about it but this chip on her shoulder it could be because she lost her mother when she was younger she's surrounded by men all day she needs to feel like she needs to prove herself all the time so that's my i'll, I'll throw a little defense in her in her corner for that <laughs> uh, okay fair enough yeah um the other side of the coin benny 
uh, a good moment, an oh boy moment for us this week? Uh, you go first. I want to hear. What, I want to hear yours this time. Okay, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've kind of got two. I've got, and, and they are both right, literally right at the end of the episode. I loved the whole. <laughs> The whole thing about Wayne, effectively, Wayne was the bad guy throughout this episode. Wayne was the guy you didn't like yeah. um, throughout the episode. And then he is the one who's unveiled to be the letter writer. And everyone sort of goes, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. That was quite a clever little swerve. And and the whole Buddy Holly thing I thought was, was quite cool as well. I will go uh, in on with you on the Buddy Holly one because that was a nice little uh, thing at the end just to throw out of nowhere. If you didn't know who Buddy Holly was or had never seen it before, I think most people know what Peggy Sue is as a song. So it's a nice mm-hmm. little little nod, as you said. So I, I, I will say one of mine is definitely uh, the same thing, really. So Oh, boy. I mean, other than that, I mean, I suppose my oh, boy moment on its own uh, that isn't the Buddy Holly bit, I mean... <sighs> I might get I might get a stat wrist for this, but the uh, when he was, <laughs> it's just because it popped me more than anything. It made me laugh. Was Al talking about meeting Tina in Vegas and he had a flush and she had a pair? It just made me la- <laughs> it just made me laugh more than anything. Um, so yeah, I I mean I yeah I would say that's it really. Oh boy! I will say on a positive, it was a little bit better than I remember it being. <laughs> so on that uh, on that level. I'll be honest with you. I mean, as as we sort of come to come to an ending here today, um, and we give it our rating out of five now, um, I feel more positive about this episode having spoken to you than I did when I finished watching it. All right, okay. Is that because I've dove into the character a bit more or something? <laughs> what was... I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I watched it, and and my wife was kind of in and out of the room, and it, we we were both sort of looking at certain moments together and being a bit like, oh, I ain't sure about that. I ain't sure about this. But then talking to you, um, uh, maybe it's just the, the positivity of having uh, another Quantum Leap fan to discuss things with, and it yeah. just make, puts a smile on my face. I don't know. <laughs> but I feel a little bit more positive about it now than I did when I actually finished watching the show. Yeah. Um, however, the fact that right from the off, you start with the nonsense of a competition to make somebody love you is, is just daft to me. Um, the... It's almost like marrying into like the medieval times, like marrying into another kingdom, so the two kingdoms have peace. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. But it's the fact that Tess was the way she was, and I just couldn't get on board with her. Um, there was just enough in the episode from start to finish to make me just kind of go, I, I don't really want to watch this episode again, if I'm honest. Yeah. So from that standpoint. I mean, I gave Starcrossed a two out of five. That's very, very early days in the waiting room, of course. But I gave Starcrossed a two out of five, which is the lowest I've given so far. I think how the test was won, it's not better, but it's not worse. I think I'm going to have to go for a two again, Benny. Um, Do you know what? I think I'm going to have to agree with you, to be honest. I mean, if you uh, again, diving into the character of Tess a bit more, you can kind of understand the way she is. And again, like I said earlier, in a very in a very male-dominated uh, era and trying to prove herself on this ranch every day, even though she's ultimately going to own this once Chance is either retired or how you know whatever happens. He pro- I think he's the type of guy that would have worked till his last day, to be fair. But yeah, um, yeah um, I think she's constantly trying to prove herself. Um, so I'm going to be a little bit nicer, and I mean by a little bit, only because of, like, for the time and... She would have been ahead of her time, really, wouldn't she? To be fair, um, in terms of you got of... a crush on Tess. A little bit, to be fair. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Actually, um, do you know what? When she come out in the Sunday best for the uh, church, you see her in a completely different light, as well. So um, a two point five, I will go. It's still one of those episodes I'd, but I'm pleasantly surprised by it a little bit. <laughs> I'm not like I was with Right Hand of God last week but um, a little bit better than I remember it being. So again, I'm probably going into these with a negative <laughs> over my head. But when I watch it, I go, it ain't that bad. Do you know what I mean? But, and, and yeah. again, talking to you about it has actually made me feel a bit better. Um, and the sort of me and you talking about the character, or at least of Tess, and why she's like the way she is. If you can understand the, why somebody's like the way they are, I think you kind of go, okay, you kind of accept them a bit more, I think. 
So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two point five, mate, just to be different. (laughs) Fair enough. And it wasn't as bad as I remember it being, but it's still not one of my favourites. No, okay, I I get on board with pretty much everything you said there, my friend. Um, the next time we see Sam, we will be in Brooklyn, New York, 1965, for the episode Double Identity. Um, Benny, obviously before watching it back for the episode. Any memories or thoughts on on this upcoming episode? I mean, in terms of, obviously, when you watch these episodes, if you're watching along with us, you'll know by now they give you a little uh, little sneak peek most of the time for the next episode. In this season, they do anyway. Um, so him, <laughs> where, where he leaps into, is very compromising position. Uh, position. Um, I remember, I th- the main thing I remember from this episode, actually, is uh, Sam having to sing in Italian on the stage. Um, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the main thing I take from that. And uh, obviously Scott Bakula is, uh, he is actually a good singer, Scott Bakula, to be fair. Um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the song, but he is a good singer in fairness. And obviously there's always a scene, I will never forget this, is when, obviously, as you said, it's 1965. We've gone ahead in time a little bit from 56, obviously, to 65. Um, but, uh, men weren't getting their haircuts by women back then so they went to barbers and stuff like that obviously um mm-hmm. so when he walks in to get a haircut from Teresa, i think her name is um that's quite funny um and then the whole um trying to um al has to translate italian to this gangster while he's holding his razor to his throat and even though it's quite a compromised position and quite it could go wrong weirdly it's quite funny as well that's what i take from it without having to having watched it back obviously at the moment so i remember it being a good episode though so hopefully it uh it is a good one yeah i mean you've you've sort of jogged a few memories of my own there with, with talking about those moments from the episode um and I, I look ahead um into what we've got left of season one we've got double identity in the next episode of the waiting room followed by color of truth followed by kamikaze kid so i think we're in for a bit of a trilogy in front of us of episodes that I remember very, very fondly. Yes, I remember yeah. them being very good. So hopefully, hopefully my memory is not failing me there, and they are a good watch because I think we deserve a good watch after think, the couple that we've had already. Yeah, I think the next three episodes. I think at least one of them, I would say, is going to get a five either from me or you. I would say in these oh, next three. Okay. I would say in the next three. I don't think Double Identity will get it. I'm pretty. I could. I could say now if you want, but I'm pretty sure. Either, well, in the next, basically after Double Identity, the next two episodes after, one of those I believe is going to get a five if I remember them correctly. Oh, that's a big shake. That's a big shake. It is. I'm, yeah. I'm desperate to watch them back now. Yeah, I am as well. I've been looking <laughs> since we started it, man. I've been looking forward to these next three definitely. So this is a good sort of test now to see because, no pun intended, um, that we. Uh, remember correctly and are they as good as we remember them being because the next three are some of the I would say uh, if any Quantum Leap fan would definitely say they're in their top ten I would say at least two of these in the next three so yeah that makes sense Um, before we depart then Benny do you want to let everybody out there listening know whereabouts they can find you on the old interwebs as well as the waiting room social medias itself where you can follow myself at benny mac on twitter b-e-triple-m-y-m-a-c-k there is also benny mac gaming on uh facebook as well in the benny mac show um so yeah there's those you can look at but what we're more in looking to see i think is uh the twitter uh for the, the show um and the facebook and the insta for the waiting room so facebook is waiting room pod give it a search you'll find the logo quite easily and on instagram it's the waiting room pod underscore at the end that's right and on twitter it is at waiting room pod underscore and you can find me my own personal account at sjp words but give the waiting room podcast a follow on facebook instagram and twitter interact with the show let us know your thoughts on oh well let's know your thoughts on the episodes let us know your thoughts on the podcast let us know your thoughts on quantum leap in general if you're watching along with us what you think your own personal ratings maybe did you like tess or did you not let's just go with that one as well shall we <laughs> yeah yeah i think again any episode that we've hopefully you're tuning in and you're watching with us you know each episode and 
maybe you've got your own thoughts. So every time we uh, post one, obviously, and or even if you're listening back a few weeks later, let us know what you thought of the um, of the characters or anything we've spoke about, really, and any mm-hmm. you are looking forward to going forward as well. Because obviously, we've just spoke about the next three in season one, and where I think I can safely say we are both looking forward to these next three, definitely. And I, I stand by it that I reckon Sai will give a five to one of these. Oh, it's going to be interesting. It's it going is. to be interesting. <laughs> it is indeed. Looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward to it. Ah, okay. Um, a big, big thank you, as always, to the wonderful people at Radio Techers who put the show out for us. Um, follow Wade the Waiting Room podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and that is that for today. Benny, I look forward to speaking to you again next time for Double Identity. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you all again soon. And I think it's time to leap out as per usual, site. Coming up next time on The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. Sort of using this fan, which looks freaking amazing, by the way, because the amount of air it gave him when he turned it on is so much better than those crappy little plastic ones we buy during the summer trying to keep ourselves cool, really. Yeah, so. definitely. It's, it's like it's virtually blowing his skin clean off his face, isn't you can it? You almost <laughs> like, get that like sound of like lips going... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>